0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 26. And the last time the message was titled, after receiving the word. And you could come from a de- denomination. You could come from you know, an organization. You can come from a, a Christian philosophy. But, and oftentimes we'll, we'll say, we should read the Bible. We should know the Bible. Okay? God doesn't just throw a bunch of words at us and says, you know, go fly on your own. The beautiful thing about Scripture is once we receive the word, we're supposed to do something with it. You know, as we look at the Gospels, it's so enlightening because Jesus taught, we received the Word, but He also showed us, He showed us the way, He showed us what to do with the Word. So last Sunday, if you didn't get it, definitely pick it up, uh, because that is really crucial. It's one thing to, to learn it, but it's even more important to apply it. And today the message is titled, From Bondage to Freedom. It's going to be a very interesting subject if you're with us for the first time. um, We cover subjects as they come up in the Scripture. So there is a man that Jesus runs into uh, who's demon-possessed. And uh, it's a very interesting encounter. And there's a lot of things we can see about this. Certainly the man had a very difficult life, as you could imagine, dealing with this situation for a long time. Uh, But I can see a parallel yeah, it was great. The man is, is I guess you, you could call it an exorcism. You could call it whatever you want to call it, deliverance. There's all these names for it. But the man was freed from this demonic entity. And we're going to talk about how did it enter him? How did this start? What was it like? What was it doing to him? Um, the interaction between Jesus and the demons that were in him. Yeah, it was more than one. Hopefully nobody gets nightmares tonight on this. Uh, we are going to share the good news that Christ has the power over the demonic realm. We're going to look at this in five parts, but we're also going to see a parallel with when we're born into this world, we're born physically, but there must be some point, like Jesus said in John 3, where we're born again of the Spirit of God. And that could happen when we're 15, 20, 40, 70. could be today for somebody after service today. Born again of the Spirit of God, right? And that also takes us from bondage to freedom. And you might not have... Probably nobody here right now has a demon in them. I don't know they'd be very uncomfortable hearing the word, I'm sure. But we are also in bondage, regardless of that, to sin and self. Sin and self. And that's the way I lived my life before I got saved. I was in bondage to my own desires, my own sinful pleasures, and that's how I lived. And then when I was born again of the Spirit, I received Christ as my Savior, everything started to change. So it's going to be very interesting, to say the least. And we'll jump in starting with verse 26. Then they said, they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes. So Jesus is with his disciples. We just covered him stilling the storm. And we know it says it's opposite Galilee. When he stepped out on the land, he met a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs where the dead were. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So one out of five is a hopeless situation. Well, the answer is... Not when God is involved. Jesus was met by a man with multiple demons. And I, I feel like this is a subject that uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with. So I kind of have to give you a little bit of filler and a little bit of background. Some people have difficulty with this. There was multiple demons. And people say, well, <laughs> how could they fit in the man? Weren't they squished? You know, one, two, a thousand. How did they all fit inside that guy? We make an error when we wonder those things because the demonic world is a different dimension. There could be thousands in one person. And we're going to look at that, right? Demon possession is a controversial topic. On one extreme, and this is an extreme, people put it out of their mind, they don't want to hear it, they don't want to think about it because it's too terrifying to consider. The other extreme is... These ministries where they're always talking about demons. You know, every time they come up to the pulpit, like there's a demon under every rock, and that can be a little weird too. There also is a difference between being possessed and oppressed. Right? They're both bad, but First John four four tells us that, and Second Corinthians one that Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So we can be harassed, we can be annoyed. They can try to get us to do things and tempt us, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, but we can't be possessed. Now, there's an expression, we all have our demons. We see a lot of these expressions, and yeah, it's, it's vernacular, it's colloquialism. However, if you're a believer, you don't have all your demons. It's just, when we do something wrong, we can't blame it on the devil. We have to take personal responsibility. What is a demon? Well, it's a fallen angel. Jesus told his disciples, we're going to get to that part, he told them of something that he witnessed as God the Son. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Look how quickly lightning, within a split second, comes down to the earth. Jesus was telling his disciples about something that happened many years ago when Lucifer took a third and rebelled against God. And, you know, they were removed from his continuous presence. That's important. I covered Ezekiel 1, if you want to get that off the website. We talked about the the angelic world and how they move and how they can move through dimensions. And then I also made the connection to the demonic world. I also talked about the... It's a proliferation. It used to be, I don't know, you could say conspiracy theories, but now UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, the government is using these terms. They're declassifying strange things that Air Force pilots are seeing, uh, things and objects that defy physics. I'm getting routinely seeing, with the advent of cameras, Strange phenomenon inside secured government buildings, police departments, courthouses. Cameras are going off, and they're, they're seeing something that's definitely not human. Nothing is stolen, nothing is moved, but there's these apparitions that pass back and forth. I believe we are living in, I guess you could say, the end times. I believe the Lord is going to come back at some point. He said He would. Why would we not believe that? And establish His kingdom. However, the demonic world is, is sort of ramping up its, what it's doing. And we have to be aware of that. Now, as a Christian, we shouldn't live in fear because there's only so much they could do. They can't, again, possess us. We can't end up like this man because we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Bible tells us. Verse 27 and 29, let's go back to this particular man. he, this possession, whenever we see this in the Scripture and in, whenever anyone has seen this in real life, right? demons don't come into your life to make your life great. To make you successful, to make you, you know, uh, to get help you to get into heaven, they don't do that. It's always dysfunction and self destruction. So, what do we know about the man, right? What do we know about some things we might see today? The man, the man was running around with no clothes. He had no clothes on. He had no shame. He didn't live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. Demons humiliate and degrade their human hosts because we are made in the image of God. They try to destroy. Jesus tells us that. God tries to give life and emancipate us and, uh, you know, free us from any type of bondage. There's a difference. This living man was defiling, defiling himself among the dead and the decaying. We also see that the demons seized him, took control of him. He had to be chained and shackled because he was probably a great danger not only to himself but to the community and the children in the area. But in verse 29, it says that he was able at times to break the bonds and the shackles. God has ordained every species with limitations to their. And I did a lot of study on you know human body and stuff. So uh, our central nervous system, our musculature, even the guys in the gym who who lift a lot of weights, there's a limit to what we can do in our bodies. However, the demon possessed are able to surpass that limit. Did he have a sprain afterwards? Did he have a break? Did he have a tendon that separated? Or did the demons just help him to do these superhuman things? So we don't have all the answers, but we certainly have enough to put this picture together. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Sometimes, I, I've, you know, when somebody is, is just, there's just something wrong, and you know, they're just destructive, or they're, I, I say to myself, you, you tend to want to get mad at the person. Okay, they're not a believer. They're not sealed with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I come to the conclusion there's something going on there. There's something controlling their lives. And you can see a person, the way they behave, the way they act in freedom, or they act like they're being controlled. So this is certainly a reality. Um, Mark 5.4 tells us that nobody could tame him. Well, we would use that word in the animal kingdom. A bear, a lion, a tiger to get them to you know they do this circuses and stuff like that so they sort of try to tame the animal but this is an interesting word used for a human being he lived like the animal kingdom and without the Spirit of God unfortunately we can live like the animal kingdom we can do things that just satisfy our flesh and our bodies and our desires like animals do now I don't want to insult the animal kingdom because even a lioness, when she's stalking her prey, my wife can't watch these nature, nature shows. I don't watch them a lot because I feel bad for the gazelle. Um, but when she stalks and she's in the high grass and she goes after that gazelle, once she latches on, within a few seconds, the gazelle is out. Doesn't know anything, probably doesn't feel any pain. The lion actually stalks and does it humanely and for, for a meal. As humans, we don't eat each other. Hopefully not. Um, but... You ever see those videos of just violent crimes of elderly people or somebody for no reason is just beat to a pulp and when they're down they're still kicked we act worse without the spirit of god than the animal kingdom because we have a big brain serial killers i I can't want much listen i'm not a a a soft guy i was a police officer for 25 years if that if a show comes on i can't watch what these Sick people do to another human being. They get pleasure out of torturing them. That is so depraved. Like I said, at least the lioness, is, she's getting a meal. And she does it humanely. We can be worse. We can insult the animal kingdom by calling people animals. So the demonic realm is alive and well in this world. No doubt about it. We can't see them. We can't see the angels. They pass through walls. Nothing can stop them. Nothing can hold them in our atomic universe. But it's very interesting because Jesus gives us a picture of the things that are happening beyond the ocular and the audio. Mark 5.5. 5. Now, Mark John Mark was a protege of, of Peter. I like his, his additions to this actual account. I believe he was probably there firsthand as a young man, following the disciples, helping them out, ministering to them. So in Mark 5 5, he adds that the man was daily crying out and cutting himself with stones. Right? Self destruction. Self destruction. We need to pray for people that we know or even see, or even pass by when we're driving and they're out on the street and they look like they're harming themselves. We should be. If it's something really bad enough, we should probably call the authorities, but we should be praying for people because we don't know, because we can't see. Jesus was able to pick it up right away, and we have it recorded in the Scripture. The man said to Jesus, this is interesting. So here's this exchange, and it's going to get more interesting as we go into it because you're going to see the ins and outs of it. You're going to see more of the, the pieces put together in this account. Right? The man says to Jesus, I beg you, do not torment me. Well, was that the man speaking to Jesus? Or was that the demon speaking to Jesus through him? They were using probably his vocal cords. But again, was it him or was it them? I've seen, there's some corny stuff out there, but I've seen some real uh, serious documentation of a ministry or a clergy that have tried to, uh, I guess, exorcise somebody who's, who's possessed. And you know they could be a simple, uneducated person, and they're speaking Latin or Greek, and there's no way they could have known these languages uh, in one moment. There, and I believe that, and I'm, some of this is my conjecture. So stick with what the Bible says, but I'm, I try to kind of sort of put these theories together. But the Bible is definitely way above anything I'm saying, but I'm, I'm kind of putting it in context. Uh, does the demon possessed? Sometimes the person, the man, the woman, is trying to vie for control over their own body. And then at times the demon kind of comes in and and sort of takes control. It's a very interesting, demonology it's an interesting subject. So we don't know the answer to all these questions. But was the man speaking or the demons? Because the man couldn't get any worse than he already was. So I don't know if it was him. I mean, it was his voice, the Bible tells us. But it could have been the demon speaking through him. How does someone become demon-possessed? Everything I read in Scripture tells me that God has put up barriers to the spiritual realm to keep us safe. However, if a person seeks something outside of God, they seek something supernatural, remember, God gave us free will. Everyone in the planet could turn to God and trust in Him, and boy, the world would be a much better place. But God gave us, we're free moral agents. We go out into this world every day and we make choices. Whether I wore the shir- shirt with the swordfish or the pastels, I don't think God cares about those little decisions. But then there's other bigger decisions that we make, right? So he sends us out with free will. He has put up natural barriers to this, to this realm. However, some open what I would call a door or a portal to that world. And we can, we shouldn't, use our free will to invite them into our life, right? Some people feel that, and I've heard this from famous people. I've heard it from those on television, that God's taken too long, so let's try Satan. Let's see if he gives us something. Oh man, there's always a catch to it. It's, it's a bad idea if anybody's thinking about it. I mean, we have a few hundred people on the live stream. If you're listening to this or watching this today and you're on that precipice, there's a reason why you're hearing this message today. God is trying to pull you back, right, to the light side. So uh, you can look at, you know, well, I'll, I'll get into the, the, the portals. It's basically you could use a game, a seance, an incantation, symbolism to seek the afterlife. Now, you can choose God or you can choose the alternative. With God, there's no strings attached. With the alternative, it might happen sooner because they're going to make you think that they're doing you a favor, but you're in bondage now. And it, it could, be, could be very serious. Verse 28. Let's, look at, let's take this all together and look at... Because there's some very... Uh, it's a, it's a, a small percentage of false teaching where people think that Jesus was just a man. He walked around. He was a great guy, a great philosopher, and that's where it ends. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was God the Son. When we talk about these sort of uh, five or six ways or things that he did, we know that he is God. No, No person could do this. So number one, the demons had to give an account. Jesus gets off the boat. Was this a chance meeting? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. The the demon possessed man is compelled to move towards Jesus and give an account. Well, that reminds me of Job chapter 1. Pastor Paul taught on that. Fascinating. Chapter 1. It says that God called together the sons of God or the angelic realm, now the ones that had fallen, as well as the ones that were still doing the right thing. And he asked Satan, What were you doing? Well, I'm going to and fro on the face of the earth, a little evasive. God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. So God calls the angelic realm to him, right? This is in the book of Job. They must give an account. Jesus gets off the boat. The man has no choice. Oh, let's, let's hide behind this boulder. Maybe Jesus won't see us. The demons know that's not going to work. He is God the Son. So they, they're compelled to come towards him. Because we read the, 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 the scripture and we, we, we scratch our heads and say, why, why, why? But when we know the whole Bible, it makes sense, right? Uh, they knew Jesus had these questions for them. They knew they had to answer his questions. Well, why would the demons talk to him? They're, they hate him. They're in rebellion. Why are they even in his presence? Because they have no choice. They're subordinate to him. God the Son, prior to taking the form of a man with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit created the angelic realm. They made a choice. We have choices. They have choices. So they have to, Jesus asks a question. They have to answer that question. The demons also acknowledge Jesus' power to cast them, possibly thousands of them, into the abyss. What human has the power to do that? Even when people in ministry or clergy involve themselves in trying to um, free somebody from some. uh, Free somebody from a demon possession. Whose name do they use? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They use the word of God. They use prayer. They're asking the Lord to come into that situation. You can't do it on yourself. That's insane. We see that in the book of Acts. The seven sons of Siva try to do that. And the demon had their way with these guys. And they they ran away away naked. It's a very funny account. um, Because they didn't incorporate God the Son into that Uh, that situation. And then, lastly, the demons must leave the man after being commanded by Jesus. Didn't take an hour, didn't take a day, didn't happen all night. Jesus was like, go. They immediately have to leave. Mark 5, 6, young Mark, right? He adds that when, I I saved this for last because it's my favorite part, that when the man approaches Jesus, it says the man worshipped Jesus. Man, that gets even weirder. And I say that in a good way. It's just for us, it's bizarre. So, so the man comes to Jesus. He's demon-possessed. He's compelled to come to Jesus. And he worships Him. Does he get down on his knees? Does he uh, prostrate himself? I don't know. It's, it's very general. Has no choice. Is the man worshipping Jesus? Or are the demons forced... Because they're so close to Him in His presence that they have to worship Him. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of I don't knows this morning. We get the general gist, but there's a lot of details that God knows that we don't know. But it's quite fascinating, isn't it? Um, You know, this is sort of one of those scriptures where the curtain is pulled back. You know, you don't see plastic and metal and, and space and oxygen and air. And what you see is just the realm of souls of God, of the angelic realm and the demonic realm. Imagine seeing that. This is, this is not the real world, folks. Eventually the curtain is going to be removed for good and we're going to live in that, that existence. Have you chosen Christ as your Lord and Savior? It's a good time. I don't care if you're 15 or 75. It could be Today could be your day. Where do you want to end up? Verse 30, continuing on. It says, Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him, the demons are begging Jesus, that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. So two out of five is Jesus' response to the demons. Some people, they might, you might have come for the first time saying, This is scary. I'm never coming to this church again. Just to let you know, we go through the Bible methodically. <laughs> so when we go through the Gospels, we go from chapter one all the way to you're laughing, all the way to the last chapter. This is just where we are today. Maybe you needed to hear it. Um, so we see the demons. There's a little bit more depth here. Understanding when they say, "The leader inside of him, we are legion." If it's anything close to a Roman legion, a Roman legion of soldiers could have up to six thousand men. So we don't know the number. Don't ask me. I'm not going to guess. could be two. It could be 60,000. I have no idea. Why so many in one man? Here's another theory of mine. Take it with a grain of salt. In the book of Daniel, very cool, cool book, the prophet Daniel is praying and Gabriel comes to him, the angel. And he basically shares with uh, Daniel that there are cities, there's uh, territories, there's empires that, you know, the good angels and and the bad ones try to vie for dominance. So I would just say that probably Beijing, Moscow, Washington DC, Pyongyang, probably have some pretty nasty demons, because there's some really wicked stuff that goes on. Those are the control centers of the world. So there's territories that they have. This is my theory. Was it possible? This one man had so many in him. Was he like a Trojan horse to the city? Did, were there so many inside of him that he was going to get to some point and they were, some of them were going to come out and try to... And for the reason? Possibly because they knew Jesus was doing so much good work in the area, so many people were getting saved that they wanted to be sort of a counterbalance. Maybe they didn't expect Jesus to get off the boat and confront them at that particular time. Jesus knew what He was doing. I don't know. But it's conjecture, and it's interesting. Don't throw us into the abyss, Jesus. What's the abyss? (laughs) Well, I studied Revelation, I taught it up here, and Revelation 9 and Revelation 20 talk about the abyss. It's sort of a a place of incarceration. Uh, We see in the end times there's more activity in the abyss, things that come out of the abyss, not good things. what it does appear is that Satan is, is sort of free. He's got some liberty on the earth. When Adam and Eve did what they did, they forfeited this perfect creation. And because of them, it became marred because sin entered the world and death and all that kind of stuff. So Satan is the leader of the rebellion, but he maybe plays by the rules because he doesn't want to be incarcerated. And these other demons don't. So the demons felt to Jesus... You know, uh, there's another scripture which says, Have you come to, to torture us before the time, the end times, when we're going to see the, the abyss play out more? Uh, there's also a portion of scripture called Tartarus, which is, appears to be a place of incarceration. Second Peter 2 4, Jude 1 6, uh, that some of the demonic entities are right now, as we speak, they're not free. They're in jail, they're in prison. They're in chains of darkness until the end time where they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Why? Because they don't play by the rules. And God's like, you, in the blink of an eye, they're in Tartarus. Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Even though Satan is the, is the leader, he's crafty enough to play by the rules because he doesn't want to be where they are. Not really sure, but, you know, we read some of the stuff in Scripture. Why did Jesus ask a question of the demons? For those who read the Bible wrong, and purposely wrong, to try to say, well, Jesus couldn't have been God because X, Y, Z. Why did He ask a question? Did He not know the answer? Well, Jesus did that a lot. He did that with humans as well. He always knew the answer that He was asking the question regarding. Was it possible, because we can't see the spiritual realm, was it possible that for the sake of the witnesses and those who actually were writing the Gospels, that he engaged in this banter so that the witnesses could see it and they could record it so that we could get it for 2,000 years? Not sure. But again, we do see Old Testament New Testament that there's a protocol in the spiritual realm that anything spiritual must answer to God. Verse 32, Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. I'm sorry for you animal lovers. I'm an animal lover too. And they begged him that he, would not, that he would permit them to enter the swine. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place and into the lake and drowned. So three, swine smarter than some people? Why these poor piggies get stuck with this situation? Well, and, and I've heard this said a lot. Uh, farmers will say that pigs are... As smart as, and sometimes smarter than people. Um, Some of you might have a pet pig. I've known people that have had pet pigs, and uh, you're amazed by the tricks that they can do. These cute little, well, I don't don't know that I would want a pet pig, but people love their pet pigs. Um, To the demons, this was a better option than being thrown into the abyss. However, the pigs had enough sense to not want these things in them, and they ran off the cliff and they fell into the water and drowned. Now, is it possible that Jesus allowed this again as an object lesson so that onlookers could see they could they couldn't really see what the demons were doing, where they were going, but they could see the results of their actions. And, you know, it must have been a wild thing to watch this. I'm sure everybody was speechless at the time. I would just say that swine are smarter than some people because, well, at least in this instance. They don't dabble into the occult. I've never seen pigs get together on a Friday night and play the Ouija board, right? Never seen, never walked into a place and seen pigs around a table and, you know, trying to call up their dead grandmother or something. These things are, are portals. It's, it's, you know, when you call up the underworld, you don't know who you're getting. It could be somebody, because they're manipulators, they're imposters, Right? And I tell Christians, and Christians are like, well, how should I feel about this and this medium? And stop watching it. If they're not giving glory to Jesus Christ, they're not giving glory, glory to God, then the power is coming from somebody somewhere else, or they're a fraud. So either way, I wouldn't want to follow them. Even Samuel, right, he died. And King Saul, he just always played with, it's a very interesting thing. He was sort of, uh, had the accouterments of the faith. But he really, his heart was never for God. He just sort of played along. So Samuel, the prophet, dies, Saul's in trouble, and he goes to a witch, (laughs) right? And he says, call up Samuel for me. In this very rare instance, I'd say less than .001% of the time, God allows Samuel to come up, even the witch was freaked out by the whole thing. (gasps) Oh my goodness, it worked. Samuel comes up and he rebukes Saul soundly and tells him about losing the battle that was going to take place. So even in that scenario, he was rebuked for looking for this witch and trying to find... And that's what people do, you know? It it is the attitude that God is taking too long. My wife and I were watching... I didn't remember what channel it was. A commercial came up and we were... I hate commercials. We were talking. I can multitask. So can she. And a commercial comes up and there's a, it, I think there's a sitcom called Moms. I've never seen it, but this is a commercial for it. And the mom and the little, her little girl are, are kneeling down at the, on the bed, by the bed. And she goes, well, who should we talk to tonight? Let's try Satan. I hear he gets things done. And I, I, I stopped and I'm like, did you just hear that? She goes, yeah, I heard it too. It's being taught in our schools. It's prevalent in our culture. There's uh, townships that have given uh, statues to, you know, demonic uh, beings. This is becoming mainstream in American culture. We really—I tell you what—when I when I was uh, doing back to school night, my wife and I would always go there, and we would look through the textbooks. Right while the parents were trying to get in close with the teachers, we were those weird people that went off to the side where a book was and we would look through the history books and the sociology books. We want to know, what are you teaching my kid? We should know these things because this stuff, this evil, is permeating everything. Academia, it's permeating government, it's permeating in some churches the stuff that's being, teaching, that's being taught is crazy. So we, we have to be the ones. Jesus calls us to be salt and light for a reason to preserve the rotting corpse of society. Are we? Are we light? Are we reflecting Christ? Are we salt? So, uh, it's just just very, very powerful stuff. Now, I wrestled with, sometimes it's TMI from the pulpit, I wrestled with sharing this, and I said, you know what, let me just be transparent. I'm not here to make fun of anybody. I do kind of throw humor in to get people engaged and make sure they're not falling asleep. But, (laughs) when I was young, I mean, in my teen years, I have to say, there were times that I lived in a place where it was, at one point, it was very rural, and there was nothing to do on the weekend, and I got in, involved with a group of people, and they did seances and can I can say maybe a few times I played the Ouija board with them, and we would ask a question, or I would ask a question nobody else in the world knew. And that question was answered. That's creepy. You, you've told nobody. These things will will come up if you invite them, and they'll play with you. Worst case scenario, you end up like this man. So I don't tell anybody what to do from the pulpit, but this stuff is, the demonic realm is is real. And they get you to believe that they're not real. It's a joke. You know, he's got a horns, and he's red, and he's got a pitchfork. That's not Satan. The Bible tells us he comes as an angel of light. He's a deceiver. He's the master of illusions. And He'll trick you. Be careful what you do. Why am I so dedicated to what I do here? I don't even, ever see myself not doing this. Is because I could have ended up like this guy. You know, I ran with the wrong crowd a lot of times. Different crowds. And I'm here today by the grace of God. So I don't judge anybody. But pay attention to what's being said here and what's being, uh, what the page is on here. Because it's, it's serious stuff. Verse 34, continuing on. When those who fed them, the pigs, the swine, saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. Remember, there wasn't the shuttle bus and the train. I mean, they were just going out everywhere saying, you know that guy Fred? I don't know what his name was. You wouldn't believe it. He's got clothes on and he's sitting next to Jesus and he's calm and he's he's really nice and you can have a conversation with him. This guy made an impression. He was so, you know, insane or so, whatever you want to use the word, demon possessed, that he had a negative effect on everybody. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Think about that for a minute. We're going to come back to that. They also, who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. Tell us the story again. How did this happen? Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. Jesus and the man leave, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat. Jesus got into the boat and returned. Four, why isn't everyone happy? <laughs> right? Do you, do you ever see that in your own life where, you know, you, a person is it's just self-destruction, Dysfunction. And you give them God as an alternative. You tell them the wonderful things God has done for your life. I tell you, giving your testimony can be tough. And you get mocked. You get attacked. They don't want to be your friend anymore. Wait a minute. Your life is falling apart. Here's an option. He loves you. He sent his son to die for your sins. Oh, don't give me that Jesus stuff. Wow. It happens. Can't get mad. We just have to pray for that person. Why isn't everyone happy? They see this man well, and they're afraid. More afraid than when the man was dangerous, right? They were so afraid, they asked Jesus and his followers to leave the area. Jesus, the one who delivered this man from this horrible affliction. It's very sad. It's very sad. But I wonder, in the United States, if, if there was a great revival, and it put the drug, you know, the drug dealers out of business, and the sex traffickers out of business. You don't think people would be mad in this country? They'd be furious. Right? You could put your life in jeopardy. This fentanyl is everywhere. They're putting it in everything. It's so small, it's such a small amount. To breathe the vapor could put you could kill you. And it's why aren't we stopping this? You know what I'm saying? Um, it's killing our youth. Look at the statistics. The overdose rate, the suicide rate. The accidental overdose rate is it's Literally, CDC has the statistics on it. I look at it sometimes. You'd put a lot of people out of business if there was a great revival in the United States of America, and we need one. Was the pig farmer mad that he lost money? In in American culture? I love my country. I love the freedoms so far that we have them. But a piece of paper in our wallets? Some people, you give them enough pieces of paper with enough Benjamins on it, enough grants on it they'll sell out a relative this piece of paper and now with inflation that piece of paper is worth a lot less in american culture i hate to say it that piece of paper to some is more valuable than human life let's put this in perspective very sad what people do for money first timothy six ten says for the love it doesn't say money money is inert it's innocuous it's a medium of exchange the value goes up and the value goes down he doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He puts the onus on us. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith that people might have grown up in the church and got themselves into a situation where the almighty dollar pulled them away from Jesus Christ. Strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. How much money is enough? I used to say this what, uh, 25 years ago. If you have a million, you need another million. If you have two million, you've got to make ten million. Now we're at the place where we have billionaires. Uh, you know, who, They're all competing to see who's going to be the richest man or woman on the earth. Big deal. I wouldn't know what to do with all that money. I, it, I, you keep me up at night, I pull my hair out. I've got $70 billion automatically. First thing I've got to do is now pay for security for my family because i got money, right? Um, so it's, who cares, right? Guy's got a billion uh, you know, it's uh, Bezos and, and Musk are kind of competing to who, who's got more billions. Who cares? Keep your money. Because where you spend eternity is more important than that. It's very important. And I'll tell you this, that they asked Jesus to leave. What did Jesus do? He begged them and said, please let me stay here with you people. I'm the son of God. No, you didn't do that. He got in the boat. Come on guys, packing up. And he left. And see, that's where American culture is. You ask the Prince of Peace to leave, he leaves. When the Prince of Peace leaves, guess what he takes with him? His peace. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's the peace that makes no sense empirically. It makes no sense at all. But it's a supernatural peace. Today people have peace when the bill collectors aren't calling them. The kids aren't screaming. You know, the boss isn't yelling. At them. That's just a temporary peace. Jesus gives that, us that peace throughout the storms. Amen? So, verse 38, last few verses. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him. It's different now. First, the demons beg Jesus because they're opportunists, they don't want to be incarcerated. Demons are gone. Now the man is in his right mind. He can think for himself. What does he ask Jesus for? He begs him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed through the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. Five eternal gratitude. This is the other side of the coin. The man is sitting at Jesus' f- feet. He can't get enough of him. I, t- I told you a little bit about my past. I'm probably too transparent from this pulpit. You wanna know why I wanna be close to Jesus? Not because I'm better than any of you. Scratch that. Uh, it's because I know what Jesus did for me. I know the life I lived when I was younger. And I know it was a dead end path. And I know if I would have stayed on that road, I don't know if I would be here today. I mean, here on the earth. So, like that guy, I want to be near Jesus. I want to be at His feet. I know where I belong. When He comes, I will get down on my knees without having been told to and worship Him. I do that for nobody here. But for Him, I will gladly do it. And I try to do it with my actions. So... Freedom, peace, stillness. Being close to Jesus is to have those supernatural things. But Jesus sent him away. (laughs) Sounds harsh initially, but what did he do? He used the man as a witness. He was a living witness. Everybody in that area knew who he was. They knew his face. They probably knew too many aspects of what he looked like, but they knew the guy's face. They knew his actions and... They were, and you know how many times Jesus does a miracle, and the even the religious leaders, they start questioning the poor guy who got healed. Well, you know, were you born blind? Yeah, I was. You can ask my parents. You know, were you born this way? H- how did you get healed? He goes, I don't know. A man came, Jesus. Man came, Jesus came to me, and he did it. Go ask him. I don't know how he did it. I just know that I was blind and now I see, and that's us, folks. We're blind in this world. When Jesus comes, we see, we understand, we perceive. So Jesus uses him as a witness for that area. I guess if there was a, my theory of the Trojan horse with the demons, he was the reverse Trojan horse. He was sent out to prepare everyone's heart to receive salvation. So the devil's tricks didn't work there. From bondage to freedom. You know, we have the same situation today in our world, in our country, in our culture. There are some who are eternally gracious, while others, sadly, and again, I'm not making fun, they're comfortable with dysfunction. Day in and day out, they get up every day and they're in dysfunction. They know they're not right. But they're using their free will to not accept Jesus, to not rededicate their lives. Right, and that's sad. It's when you love somebody, and I've done this before. I've I've done more work for someone than the person to help themselves. And at some point, I have to say, you got to help me out here. I'm doing all the work, and I'm not you. You know. Also, this morning, and yeah, we're talking about a man who was freed. But J- John three sixteen says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him." would not perish, but have eternal life. So, you may not be demon-possessed. However, if you don't know the spirit of the living God, it's fruitless. You're in bondage. You just don't realize it. You're anesthetized to it. While others are comfortable with that bondage to sin and self, where do we come down on this issue?
0: where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.